Well, this coming Monday, I have the chance to speak at chapel, so I'm looking forward to that then. But I'm looking forward right now to the privilege of introducing our speaker for the day. Dr. Colleen Durr will be speaking to us in just a minute. She serves as a professor at Wesley Seminary, has spent her lifetime focusing on spiritual formation for children and teenagers and adults. She's taught in the public schools, private schools. She has served as a pastor and as a leader at our international headquarters. Colleen's the mother of four children, including Anna, who is here right now, and you've committed not to embarrass her, I think you said. Yeah, that's right. Um, she's the wife of one husband, and she says her favorite destination is a warm beach. Colleen, this is not a warm beach, but we'd like to give you a warm welcome to the stage at Indiana Wesson. Would you welcome her? Thank you. The second best place to be, right? The second best place to be. Can't be on a beach, this is it. Are you a get them there kind of person? Or are you more of a get them lost kind of person? You know, when you and your friends pile in a car to head off on some amazing road trip, can they count on you to get them exactly where you want to go? Or do your friends feel a little bit more like Penny in our clip? You gotta love Sheldon, right? He thinks he's an I've got this kind of person, but he doesn't have a clue. He doesn't have a clue. The I've got this kind of people, the people who know exactly where they're going and how they're going to get there. It's like they've got this internal GPS system, right? So I don't know, when you and your friends decide to head off to New York City to be there for the great ball drop, You all pile in a car and you drive all night to get there. You stand 14 hours without a toilet or a chair. And you end up like these guys, near the edge and on the national news. These are a bunch of get it, get you there kind of people, right? I mean, is that not amazing? Those are some of your fellow students who randomly decided during Christmas break, hey, Let's go to New York City for New Year's Eve. I think we got a picture of them. They decided, they decided and that is my, one of them is my daughter, Anna, so I did just embarrass her. Um, <laughs> it's a mother's privilege, right? Those, at least one of them in that group, at least, was a, I got this. One of them was an, I got this. Then there are the other people, the I don't have a clue kind of people. I got to tell you, when it comes to directions, I'm really a more of an I don't have a clue kind of person. Not only do I not have that internal GPS that I just naturally know whether I'm facing east, west, north, or south. It's like, how do people know that, right? They're like, so is it to the east or to the west? I don't have a clue. I don't know whether I'm facing which direction. In fact, I not only don't have an internal GPS system, I don't trust the external ones. Whenever I'm going on a trip, I use the GPS in my car. I use the GPS on my app. I try to get them in sync, and I still, the word I hear most often repeated, recalculating. That's the the word I hear over and over again, right? Because I don't have an internal GPS system. When it comes to directions, I don't have a clue. I don't have a clue. The reality is, in life, as in driving, there are people who just seem to know exactly where they're going and where they're headed. Perhaps you're one of those people. Perhaps some of those people are your roommates. They talk like this. They say things like this. 
I'm answering God's call. I'm doing the Lord's will. I know exactly my plans for the future. And you're like, maybe you're like me and you go, what do you mean you know exactly what you're doing? Exactly where you're going? How on earth can you know exactly where you're going in the future? I'm lucky to know where I'm going tomorrow, let alone in the future. Who is that voice that they hear? They hear God, they hear the Lord talking. Who is that voice? How do they get a clue? Because then they're what, probably what the rest of us are. The, I don't have a clue. I don't have a clue. I don't hear that small voice talking to me. I wish I did. How do I hear it? How do I get a clue? And then there are the Sheldons, right? The people who are completely confident that they know exactly what they're doing, and the reality is they don't have a clue. Scripture is filled with a lot of insights to give us uh, an insight into how to get a clue. Story after story after story that helps us see how on earth do I get a clue. I'm not going to read them all for you this morning. We are limited in time, but I am going to read one to you, and it's from the book of John. The scripture will be on the screen as well. Reading from the New Living Translation, just four little verses from the book of John. I tell you the truth. Anyone who sneaks over the wall of the sheephold rather than going through the gate must surely be a thief and a robber. But the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. And after he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them. And they follow him because they know his voice. They follow him because they know his voice. In this passage, Jesus was talking to a whole bunch of church people. Church people who thought they knew exactly where they were going. They were people that would have said, I am completely confident in my ability to have a clue. I have a clue. And Jesus comes to them and shares this simple little story to say, I hate to tell you this, but you don't have a clue. You see, they thought this thing called faith and this practice of religion was all about, I've got to meet all of the requirements. I've got to follow all of the rules. I've got to check all of the boxes. And if they've done that good enough, then they're good to go, right? And Jesus comes to them, and in this simple story about something that would have been very common to them, probably not common to most of us in this room, but a story about some sheep and a shepherd. And in that common story, he says to them, no, it's not about the rules. It's about a relationship. And let me show you what kind of a relationship. If you are a person who feels like you've got it all together and you know exactly where you're going, I just want you to pause and think for a moment. Um, Do I think where I'm going or maybe could I be Sheldon? And if you're a person sitting in this room and say, yeah, (laughs) I'm one of those people that doesn't have a clue, then maybe this verse, these few verses can give us a glimpse into how to get a clue. Because how do we get a clue? It's by relationship. It's through a relationship with God. Now, I need to clarify a couple of things for you because some of us have some mistaken notions about this relationship. Some of us think in this relationship in terms of God is, you know, sitting in heaven and directing all of our moves and we're just like puppets. Have you ever been in one of those roller coasters that's in the dark? 
you know? And you have no, it's completely dark. You have no idea what's coming and you literally are just along for the ride, right? It's terrifying, <laughs> absolutely terrifying. Right? That is not your relationship with God. That's not it. It also isn't a case of where he says, okay, I started all this thing and I'm just gonna go, like, go sit in my big old recliner in heaven and uh, you just figure it out. You figure it out. Talk amongst yourselves and figure it out. No, no, he does not leave us alone either. You see, this relationship with God takes him doing something and it takes us doing something. It's much more like a dance. Our relationship with God is like a dance. No, I'm not going to try to um, act like I know how to dance. Because now I could really humiliate Anna and show you how well I can't dance. But I won't do that to her or to you all. Um, I don't know how to dance. But I have watched enough Dancing with the Stars to know a couple of things about dancing. All right? I know that in dancing, there is the lead partner, right? The one who makes the first move. And for the dance to actually go off, the other partner has to respond in kind. The other partner can't decide they want to be the lead. And the other partner can't decide they want to do their own thing, right? It's got to be the lead partner makes a move and the other one responds in kind. Well, our dance with God is just like this awesome dance. And I might not be able to dance, but I can dance with God. How does that look? What does that look like? This is how it looks. He moves in grace. That's his move. And we have an opportunity to respond through faith. He moves in grace. What Richard Rohr calls the divine, unmerited generosity that is everywhere available. Everywhere available. Totally given, but usually undetected. God's moving grace. So, in these few scripture verses, can we see uh, some dance moves? Well, I propose that there are three dance moves of God and uh, three opportunities for us to respond. <clears throat> the first move of grace is in verse 2. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. He comes to the front gate. He comes to the gate. He comes to you. The one who comes to the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. Uh, I've got a picture of a sheep pen, <clears throat> an ancient sheep pen for you. So you can see it's this simple walled structure, right? Stone wall, not very high walls, and just one opening to get in and have access. Verse 1 in this section says that the one who climbs over the wall, the one who tries to slip in at the back, is the thief and, thief and robber. And the thief and robber has come to steal and kill and destroy. But the shepherd of the sheep is the one who comes to the gate, that opening. He comes to the gate. It's sitting at the opening is the gatekeeper. Two things to recognize in this. First of all, Jesus comes to the sheep. He doesn't stand out in the field as the shepherd and say, hey, here I am. Come on, sheep. Come find me. Come find me. He doesn't say that to you. Come find me. He doesn't say, okay, I'm sitting in this church building, and whenever you want to find me, come and attend, and you can find me. 
Now, he is in the church building. But he moves in grace in your life wherever you're at. You say, what, we're all sitting here, IW Chapel. We're all in the same location. Well, we're all in the same location, but we are not all in the same location at all. You see, there are many destinations in this room in terms of emotional location, spiritual location, physical location. There are lots of locations in this room. And no matter what yours is, he comes to you. He comes to you. I don't know about you, but that's incredible to me. That wherever I'm at, you see, I don't have to get to a good place in my life to be ready to have this relationship with God. He comes to me wherever I'm at. And to be honest, when we are at the not-so-good places, that's when his grace really moves. He comes to you where you're at. And the other thing is, he's standing there. Can you see this image in your mind? He comes to the gate. He just, that's all it says. He comes to the gate. And he waits at the gate. He doesn't barge in. Like the thief and the robber who does take it on their own to climb over the wall. He doesn't do that. He comes to the gate and he waits. The creator God, sovereign Lord of all the universe, comes to the gate of your life and waits. He doesn't barge in. He waits. His moving grace. And we have an opportunity in this dance to respond. And what is our response? Verse 2, the gatekeeper opens the gate for him. We get to let him in. We get to let him in. We get to say yes. I want to suggest to you this morning that if you are one of those people who say, you know what, I don't have a clue. I don't really hear his voice. When people, other people talk about that, the will of God and hearing his voice and knowing where the Lord is directing, I, that's, I really don't, I, I don't have that. If you're a person this morning saying, I don't have a clue, it might be because you've never actually said yes. Said Yes. You say, well, I haven't said no. I'm here, aren't I? I'm spending a whole lot of money to attend a Christian university. I follow all the rules. I do all the right things. That's like so, sort of saying yes, isn't it? No, it's not at all like saying yes. Because you see, he doesn't assume your yes. He doesn't assume it. He stands there at your life and he says, I want to have a relationship with you. I, you are my beloved. I want to have a relationship with you. But you have to say yes. Yes. On purpose and intentionally. Yes. Yes. I'll have a relationship with you. It's part of the dance, you see. It's part of the dance. And then there's a second move of grace in these verses. Verse 3. He calls his own sheep by name. He calls his own sheep by name. Now, I got to tell you, I'm not really sure how a shepherd differentiates sheep. I'm not a sheep person. I maybe have been around sheep, you know, like three times in my entire life. Maybe you're, an, you know, a farm kid and you, uh, you get that. I don't get how he knows the sheep and they all have a name. Because, like, in that sheep pen, there would have been like a hundred sheep. And, and he knows all their names. That's just incredible to think about. But you know what's even more incredible to think about? Out of all the millions of people, billions of people who have lived, who are living, and who will live, he still knows your name. He knows your name. He knows your name. He knows your fears. He knows your desires. He knows your gifting. He knows your ability. He knows your dreams. He knows what you're scared to death of. He knows your name. 
See, he has invested in grace in knowing you. He knows you. There are some people that think in terms of well, God knows me, and so like it's this God that sits in heaven with a great big fly swatter waiting for me to make a wrong move. When I was a kid, we sang this awful song in church. I hope that your church people had more sense and you didn't sing this. And the song was, I'm not going to sing it. I've got this horrible cold. I'm just going to speak it. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. I hope you don't know that one. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. You know, and then it'll be careful little hands, what you do, and it'll be careful little feet where you go. And you know what it did to me as a kid? It gave me this impression that, oh, like he's just up there in heaven waiting for me to make a mistake, to blow it. No, that's not it at all. The only part of that song that's right is for the father up above is looking down in love. He's looking down in love. That part of the song is correct. You see, he loves you. And he moves in grace to get to know you. And you have an opportunity in this dance with God to respond in faith. And what is your response in faith? You get to know him too. You get to know him too. Verse 4, and the sheep recognize his voice. And they come to him. And they follow him because they know his voice. Did you get that? The sheep follow him because they know his voice. I don't hear him. I don't know what his, I don't sense this call. I don't have this internal God-like GPS in my life. Maybe it's because you don't know him well enough to recognize his voice. Because you see, he doesn't come in a really loud, booming voice. Scripture, we have examples where he says, I don't come in the earthquake. I don't come in the fire. I don't come in the loud way. I come in the still small voice. I come in the wind, right? And if we wait to hear his voice, I don't know about you, but this is pretty common and typical for me, that I wait to, see, to look for him when I'm in trouble. In the midst of my chaos, it's like, oh, my dear God, help me. In the midst of the chaos, when there's all this noise and confusion and all these voices that are pounding on me and wanting my attention and telling me you ought to do this and no, you ought to do that and you ought to be this person and you ought to be that person. I'm like, oh my word, where is God? I can't hear him. The problem is you can't learn the sound of his voice in the midst of the chaos. You have to invest in time alone with him getting to know him and hearing what his voice sounds like before you're in the middle of the chaos. There's a picture of my son, Zach. My son, Zach, and his little guy, Hudson. If you are a soccer enthusiast, you know that Zach is as well because his son is sporting a Chelsea bib. Zach is a soccer enthusiast. Zach is not just a soccer enthusiast, he's a soccer player. Uh, started playing soccer at 18 months old, actually. His dad was a coach, and he started playing then. He played rec and travel and premier and played all through high school, played all through college. And then after college, coached at Asbury University for five years. Zach is a soccer player. Zach's also hearing impaired. You might say, so? <laughs> what's, what's the significance of those two things? Well, the significance is he was born with such significant hearing loss that without his hearing aids, if you and him were in a conversation in a quiet space, 
he could catch enough of the words you were saying and he can read lips well enough that he'd be able to fake it and follow along in the conversation. You would know when he had gotten lost because he has this big smile. And that means, I have no idea what you just said. <laughs> I learned that pretty early on. <clears throat> and his wife is really good at it now too. She'll say, you didn't hear them, did you? <laughs> when she sees the smile. <clears throat> but when Zach is in chaos. So if Zach and you were sitting at a table in Baldwin and trying to have a conversation, there is no way he'd be able to hear your voice. Because see, with the hearing loss, he can't differentiate the different voices without his hearing aids. And he wouldn't be able to hear anything you have to say. Well, his dad and I would travel around really all over the country to go see him play. We were quite proud. He was outstanding, after all. <laughs> and so we would travel around and go see him play soccer. And when we would get to the game, I would climb up into the stands and get my spot all situated, right midfield, right? My perfect spot. And I would watch with such intensity, and I would scream. I would scream at the referees when they blew the call. Idiots, idiots, idiots. And I would scream at the other team when they were way too physical with my son. So get up off his ankles, right? I would even scream at his own teammates when they would dribble into trouble instead of dishing off to Zach, who was obviously wide open. Hello? I would scream. I would even scream for Zach. Things like, way to go, Zach. Great pass wonderful assist. You're the best. You're awesome. I would spend the entire 90 minutes screaming, and he would never hear me. Never hear me. After the game, I would say, Zach, did you hear me screaming you on? I was so excited for you. No, Mom, I'm afraid I didn't hear you. It's like, what? What are you talking about? He couldn't hear me. Amidst all the noise and the confusion, there was no way he could pick out my voice. His dad at the soccer games. I'm not really sure why, but he didn't choose to sit next to me in the stands. <laughs> I, I, I don't know why that was. But instead, his dad would choose to stand on the sidelines. Zach was an outside midfielder. And so his dad would stand on whatever the sideline was that Zach was on, that half. <clears throat> and his dad would just stand on the sidelines, and his dad wouldn't scream at Zach. His dad would just talk to him. He would just talk to him, and he would say things like, they're coming up on you, Zach. This guy always goes right, Zach. Take it long, Zach. Switch the field, Zach. Carry it, Zach. And you know what's so infuriating to me? Zach heard him. He heard him. I say, what are you talking about? How can you not hear me? I'm your mother, and I'm so energized and loud. And you hear him? He just talks. How do you hear him? The way he hears his dad's voice is because he didn't wait until he was in the middle of the soccer game to listen for it. He learned the sound of his dad's voice, spending hours in the backyard playing soccer together, practicing. Spending hours watching soccer on TV and talking about it. 
After every game, the car ride home with his dad debriefing the game. He invested time getting to know his dad and his dad's voice outside of the game. So that when he was in the middle of the game, in the midst of the chaos, when everything else was pounding on him and he couldn't hear me and he couldn't hear his coach, but he could hear his dad's voice. And he said, I don't know, mom, I don't get it. But when I'm playing the game and I think to myself, man, what should I do next? I listen and I just hear dad's voice and I know what to do. You want to know what to do. You want to hear his voice. You want to learn what his voice sounds like. You got to invest time in getting to know him. His voice is all through here. His voice is all through here. Spend time praying, talking to him. Jesus, when he was on earth, what did he do? It tells us in scripture. What did he do to build his relationship with his father? When he was on earth, he withdrew to a solitary place. Yeah. Get away from the chaos. I know it's hard on this campus. Get away from the chaos. Listen to his voice. Come to worship services like this. He was here and his voice was here this morning in our songs. Getting to know people who know him and know him better than you. He moves in grace. He knows you. He knows you. He knows your name. Your opportunity in this dance with God is to respond in faith and to invest time purposefully getting to know him. Because when you know him, you'll be able to hear his voice. And then the final dance move. The final dance move in verse 3 and 4, he calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. And when he has brought out all of his own, he goes on ahead of them. He goes on ahead of them. Have you ever had somebody try to lead you from behind? Have you ever tried? You know, it's like, I'm just standing in Baldwin with my tray, trying to get tater tots. They have the best tater tots ever. I'm just trying to get the tater tots, right? And there's a long line for tater tots, of course. And there, are, there is somebody behind me who thinks that they want to lead from behind. And they're kicking the back of my shoe, and they're totally invading my personal space. And I just want to say, will you get up off me? Right? Or you're driving your car and you're going the given five miles an hour over what we're allowed to do, right? And you're just dri- you're doing the five over. I'm not, they pick me up at seven over. I'm not going there. I'm going to do five over. And so you're just doing your five over. And then this car comes up behind you and they're like right on your rear end. You're like, what is, get up off my rear end already. You know, and so you pull over, so it's like, just pass me, just pass me. Stop trying to lead from behind. It's so annoying when people try to lead you from behind. You just want to say, knock it off, knock it off. The good shepherd doesn't lead from behind, he leads from the front. He goes out in front, and he says, you know what? I've been down this road before. I've been a teenager before. I've been a 20-something before. And I kind of know where the ruts in the road are. I know where you've got to swerve and where you've got to step and where you've got to deck. And if you follow me, I'll lead you. I'll lead from the front. I'll lead from the front. That's his move in grace. And you have an opportunity to respond and say, okay, okay, I'll follow you. I'll follow you. Respond in faith. This is a tricky one. 
because it means that you've got to give up control. You got to give up control. And there are going to be times, I'm going to tell you, I'm just going to warn you, there are going to be times that he says, hey, we're headed this way. And you're like, "Uh, no, I don't think so. I see what's down that road and there is no way I'm going there. Are you kidding me? You want me to preach to 3,000 teenagers with a sinus infection? I don't think so. He's calling you to do something too way out of your comfort zone. Way out of your comfort zone. You see what's coming and you're like, no, I don't think so. I'm going to tell you the times in my life that I have said, okay, okay. I'll follow you. This doesn't look good to me. I'm scared to death. I don't know about this. I know me and that's not me. I don't think so, but okay. The times in my life I've said, okay, I'll follow you anyway, are the times he has done the greatest work in my life and has brought me the most joy. And I have had opportunities and experiences that I never would have dreamed to grasp for. I have been places and have had chances that I never would have dreamed about, but I was willing to follow him. He's moved in in the dance. He's moved in the dance, and he says, I'll take the lead, but you got to respond to the dance move in faith and say, okay, all right, I'll follow. I'll follow your lead. Do you want to spend the rest of your life being a Sheldon? I want to spend the rest of your life being a Sheldon, thinking that you got it so all together. I so got this. And you don't have a clue. Where do you want to get a clue? How do you get a clue? How do we get a clue? You got to dance. You got to dance. He moves in grace in your life. And you have an opportunity to respond in faith. Every day of my life, every day of your life, he's moving in grace. He's moving in grace. He's moving in grace every day, every moment of your life. And it so often goes undetected. We're so oblivious. We're so oblivious. But know that he is always moving in your life in grace. That's his move. You have an opportunity to respond in faith and say, I'll follow your lead. I'll follow your lead. Want to get a clue? Got to dance. And he's already taken the first move. The next step is yours. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for these few moments that we've had to gather together. I thank you for a simple little scripture verse, a simple little story about a shepherd and some sheep and the amazing insights into the kind of relationship you want to have with us. Sheep are clueless, and most of the time, so are we. We thank you for moving in our lives in grace. Help us to be more aware and give us the courage to respond in faith to your moves. We say yes We're going to invest time getting to know you, and we're going to follow your lead. In your name, we pray with thanksgiving and rejoicing, and all the people said, amen. Go and dance. Go and dance.